futureprimitive.org Joanna Harcourt Smith with you again and um, I am sitting here in Santa Fe with a man named Paul Six he is an astrologer and he is many other things as well um, I want to begin by asking him to give you his website so that we make absolutely sure that after listening to this interview you can learn a lot more about him. And so I'm going to ask him for his website and then I'm going to ask him to introduce himself. Okay, well my website is www.paulsix.com and uh, the main um, page that draws attention is my journal in which I do forecasts and write about different uh, astrological events. There's also a page where you can buy my latest book, The Great Love. So who are you, Paul Six? Uh, well, I'm someone that was born 67 years ago in Manhattan, New York and I grew up there, and when I was 26 years old, I got this uh, subdural hematoma, which is a blood clot on the brain, and the doctors were just confounded because there was no blow to my head or anything. They didn't understand it. So they put me in a hospital in bed for three weeks, and it dissolved, mm -hmm. and afterwards I had a CAT scan where they shoot, die, and take an x-ray in your brain, and they saw this big space where the clot had been and had dissolved. Uh -huh. and psychiatrist friend of mine and other people said to me, well, you were rewired in some way at that time. So after that, I started channeling and bringing forth transmissions that I really didn't know anything about personally. And people would say, the things that you're saying, you know, you should, you should move more into spirituality. I, that's what you want to do. So I started studying astrology and other metaphysical subjects. And uh, I was fascinated by how authentic this all was to me. Couldn't understand why this information wasn't out there more in the world. This was in 1974. And when you say this information, what exactly do you mean? Well, information about ourselves. You know, people think astrology is about the stars. But the stars are letters of the alphabet. Uh, the sky is communicating every moment what energies are prevailing, and anyone born in that time and place is endowed with those energies, because the sky only looks that way to us here on the earth. Uh, the, actually, the stars are not clustered together in constellations. They lie in different galaxies, and since their light takes millions of years to reach our Earth, they may have burned out by now, and they may not be there at all. But we see it that way because that is a communication to us from the universe about the different energies and what we have come here to fulfill as our destiny. And so astrology tells us all about this. So that's fascinating. So in a certain way, all of us on this planet, we see a common picture, and that says something about us as a species. 
Well, we see a common frame of reference in the sky, but the picture is arranged differently uh, in different parts of the world, because the sky looks different in different parts of the world. And that's something else astrology can tell you, is what locations on Earth are most beneficial for you, and where your energy is most in alignment. Astrocartography. Yes, exactly. Yes, yes. yes. And um, so... What is your passion at the moment? Because uh, we have about 45 minutes, so I'd like to come to ask you this crucial question. My passion is to continue bringing my work, which is a simplified version of astrology. It's been made user-friendly. We use a color system. I say we because I've had many colleagues. and the colors are representative of the different signs, or let's say different energy vibrations. And people relate very well to color. They see a connotation in each color. And uh, so there's a board, and there are little beads, and we put the beads on the colors and get to see a, a picture of our energy pattern. And I want to bring this to as many people as possible. I've already worked in about 15 countries in the world, in every continent of the world, except Africa and Antarctica. I've been worked in those continents yet. And uh, I've worked with uh, maybe 20,000 people in the last 35 years. And I still have a passion for opening up the space for more people to see a bigger picture, for more people to restore a deeper connection to the cosmos, uh, to realize that there's so much more than what we see in the box and what we hear about in the story. And in the times that we're living in, to be able to empower individuals and give them a sense of how great they are and how far they extend, I think it's very important to give them more strength to deal with the, more, the greater challenges that we're up against now. The last time, about a year and a half ago, that I interviewed a quote-unquote astrologer, he spoke to us about Neptune in Capricorn. Except now it's in Aquarius. Okay. Uh-huh. And it, so it was in Capricorn a year and a half ago. No, no. It's been in Aquarius for some time. It's going... It's been there for about 10 years in Aquarius. But he may be a sidereal astrologer, uh-huh. which is the Ayurvedic system. And that is a completely different system. In that case, Neptune, it, it was in Capricorn. Oh, yes. okay. Okay. So, let's see. Somebody read to me a part of a piece that you wrote about Saturn, Saturn entering into Libra or yes. Libra in Yes. Saturn and Libra. Is yes. 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 Would you like to speak about that? Yes. Saturn is said to be exalted in Libra, meaning it's, it's strongest when it moves into the Libra sky. You see, you know about the ecliptic, which is the apparent path of our sun, or another way of saying it, it's the planet's track, and all these planets are going around the sun. And uh, so each uh, arc is a sign, each arc on the wheel is 30 degrees and it represents a sign. And when Saturn goes into that Libra arc in the sky, it's coming into an energy that accommodates the principle of it to the fullest extent, which is the exaltation. And uh, 
so Saturn is the principle of justice more than anything else. It's the karmic principle that what you give to life, life returns to you. Because when we radiate energy onto the screen of our reality, it boomerangs back to us. Everything returns to the source. And so people will become more aware of this principle and more aware of karma and the consequences of one's actions because these consequences are going to become more apparent and more visible. And it's as if life is going to become more transparent in a way and we can see the underlying causes of things. And how does that relate to beauty? Well, that's the other side of Libra because Libra is the principle of law and law should be based in love, not in fear. Yes. Yes. And so Libra wants to create harmony and it so appreciates anything that enhances the life experience and makes it a smoother ride for all of us. And uh, so Libra is at heart the artist. Uh, but at the same time, it's the balancing agent. And it's here to make sure that people don't overstep their boundaries and that people engage in fair play and honor the golden rule, showing respect to others, because what we do to others is really what we're doing to ourselves. And that's a principle that's going to become more and more apparent until it reaches critical mass, and then everyone will realize it. Do you have uh, any um, ideas about 2012? Does any of this relate to... Well, now, we talked about Neptune being in uh, Aquarius, Aquarius in the Western system okay. and Capricorn in the Eastern. Uh, Neptune is going into its home sign of Pisces. They both represent dissolution of the old structures and the beginning of something else and its transcendence, it's going to the next level. So to me, 2012 represents a new beginning because it's 11 years from 911 until 2012. And that number 11 came up around 911 a great deal. The Twin Towers itself is a symbol of that number. Mm -hmm. And that's the first master number. You do not reduce 11 to a single digit. You leave it as it is. And it represents a new beginning. So, um, 2011? Is the year before the new beginning. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I suppose that's the last chance we have to get the new program before we actually get into it. Mm -hmm. So what can we do one at a time to be part of this transformation? Well, I think Shakespeare said it as well as anyone, if in fact it was Shakespeare saying it, uh, this above all, to thine own self be true. And uh, in this book, The Great Love, uh, the first chapter, which is based on the sign Aries, is about moving from egotism to authenticity. And moving from egotism to authenticity is about being genuine, uh, being true to the way you think and the way you feel. And if you want to be silent about it, go ahead. And if you want to share your truth with others and you feel that's appropriate, by all means. Because if you're being true to yourself, you have something of value to offer. For me, uh, what has stood in the way of being true to myself has been 
not being able to express the grief that I felt about certain things. And once the grief uh, has been expressed, then there's a certain degree of humility that allows me to be authentic. So, um, what would you say about that? Uh, in reference to grief? Yes. In reference to becoming authentic in general. Well, uh, when people come to me for a counseling session uh, and they're obviously uh, experiencing sadness over one or several events in their life, um, and I see that happening quite a bit these days, by the way, uh, then I say to them, reframe your perspective on these events now that they're in the past and see them as lessons and see them as stepping stones because based on where you were at the time it was the only way you could break through to where you want to go. It was the only way you could either see it or hear it or experience it in a way that was real for you and motivated you to move forward. Why has uh, astrology been important to you, Paul Six? Because it's a truth, and it's a truth that is misunderstood and misconstrued, miscommunicated. I could go down the line of a lot of different verbs. Um, and I have made a commitment to clarify uh, what astrology really is about and to show the value of it and how it can help us, especially in troubled times. You know, when people really don't know what's going to happen, they feel very destabilized right now. And I believe, I don't want to get political, but I believe that emergency steps have been taken to bring some degree of stability so that things don't keep tumbling down, spiraling down, but they still could. And it's really based on what we do here on the earth. And if we get into fear then it's doubtful that we're going to make the moves that are in our own best interests. There's no reason to fear. We've been received that message so many times throughout history, and yet we are afraid, which leads me to believe that people have not so much grief as they have guilt, that they feel they haven't been doing what with their life what they ought to be doing. And one thing astrology can offer them is a validation, a confirmation of what they've truly known all their life inside of them, but which the world was not telling them because the world was not interested in giving anyone what, they, what that person wanted. The world wanted to give that person what the world wanted. So, um, control. Yes. Yes. Controlled by information, which is not the whole story, which is one-dimensional, which is geared to serve one specific purpose and eliminate all others. So, uh, you have a message for people. What is this fundamental message? Well, I think that my message is really a reiteration of what's already been said, that we are spiritual beings uh, having a human experience in a physical reality. 
that our true nature is eternal. There's a part of us that never dies and continues on. And that part of us is with us here and now, if we open ourselves up to it, instead of listening to all the monkey chatter that's going on in the story and in the, in the box. What um, are your ideas about uh, what 1111 means? I mean, it seems like more and more people are seeing these numbers, 1111. Well, perhaps something is going to happen in November of 2011, which is a year away from when I foresee the system we live in changing completely and money as we know it will no longer exist. And so people have a year to prepare themselves for living a completely different way. Well, that brings me... Um I've been thinking a lot about adaptability lately and how uh, human beings are essentially extremely adaptable, but that we've created a world to which it's impossible to adapt. And when I say that, I'm thinking about money. Um, how do you see that that could change, that we could restore our magnificent adaptability? Well, Neptune in Aquarius is crossing over the moon in the United States chart. And uh, that's in Aquarius. So I would see the sign as a sign of revolution. I would see people quietly revolting, not violently, but pulling away from its dependence on the system, bonding together with like-minded kindred spirits, moving on to the land and living a simple natural life, and replacing technological development with spiritual development, which will give them enhanced abilities. So going back to our old ways of adaptability? Yes. I mean, do you think really we, could, uh, we can go back to a harmony with the Earth? No, I don't see everyone doing this. I see some people choosing to do this. I don't think some, some people would think that they could do that, and perhaps they're correct. Um, but I see it already happening in small pockets, for instance, in Northern California, where they're creating their own value systems and creating their own currency. And I myself wrote an essay 15 years ago, and some people have actually printed uh, currency with the the title of that essay, The New Currency is Love. Mm -hmm. I have a, a love dollar. Okay. Would you like to speak to us about your book? The Great Love. Yes, The Great Love. Yes, you can buy it on the internet. You can go to my website and, and purchase it. Uh, it's based on the 12 signs of the Zodiac, and with my colleague at the time, Norman Hawker, we humanize the signs, we turn them into human characters. Uh, they're college students, and each one of them goes to Master Wiseheart, who we find out later in the book is not who he seems to be, but I don't want to give it away completely. And Master Wiseheart tells each student who they really are, and he tells them that they've been living in this uh, computer-generated reality which is very similar to what was portrayed in the film The Matrix. Mm -hmm. 
and that they could actually extricate themselves from this reality using their consciousness to open up a new space and to create a new paradigm and to nourish that paradigm and to see that more and more is added on to it just as we were told by the great teacher 2,000 years ago seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and all its righteousness and all will be added unto you what does that mean? it means that consciousness creates reality and that you are and we are all interacting with nature and the magical process, the creative living process, and we are working in unison with that and radiating our energy into it, and we are co-creators of the reality we all experience. The world is what we make it. And the God in the sky, that was yesterday's God, but <laughs> tomorrow's God is the process itself that has become a part of every living thing, and it's what gives every living thing life. That's a very, very beautifully said. Thank you. Could you speak more about your experience of the process? That's a very big question. <laughs> the, the, you, I heard you say... The God of yesterday is not the God of today, and the God of today is the process itself. So I'm asking you personally, in your own personal experience. I would say that I came closest to it when I was at my lowest point in my life, and I suddenly discovered myself without any resources, and I was naked in the world, and I could not believe that this was happening. And it became more like a dream because everything I needed, I didn't have to ask for, but it came along. And someone who, who was watching me from time to time, actually observing me going through this process, said to me, the world wants you here. But I later understood that to mean that the world inside me wanted me here, that I wanted me here, that I knew that I was here to do something that I wanted to do so much. And then I believed, and I can't say I know, but I believe that each person comes here because there's something they wanted to do, something they wanted to contribute, and that the disease stems from their inability to actualize that which is interesting because in astrology you have 12 departments of life experience called the houses and the sixth house deals with your contribution to everyday life but it also deals with physical health because if you are not making that contribution that motivated you to come here in the first place then you sink into dis-ease you become right. unsettled that's right so how can we learn what is our usefulness, each one of us? Interestingly enough, we cannot learn it by getting into our head and trying to figure it out. We learn it by letting go of that part of us. We learn it by moving into uh, developing more of an openness and more of a connection. That's why yoga is so popular. Uh, 
my friend Carrie, who I'm staying with right now in Santa Fe, she teaches Pilates, uh, also the Oriental, the Tai Chi and the Qigong. A lot of people are following that. Uh, it's uh, graceful opening movements that make you flexible so you can become a cosmic receptor. Again, moving away from what in the story uh, uh, of the popular culture and instead going to the real truth of things, which you have access to if you let go and let it move through you. We are instruments here on the earth and we're instruments of our own self our high self. What else would you like to speak about? I suppose I'd like to share with people uh, the fact that I foresee two realities in the future and that everyone has a choice as to which camp they're going to be in. And I think H.G. Wells, when he wrote his famous novel, The Time Machine, he said it very well. It was an analogy. It was a figurative representation of what he foresaw in the future. And what he was able to see is these two camps, the light and the dark, because we're still in a world of duality in the future, mm -hmm. and we need two opposing forces to create motion, create to create friction. dynamism. Yes. Exactly. Only now the two camps are actually two universes. And so they do not interact with each other because the light has a force field that protects it and you have to be of a certain frequency to be able to penetrate where the light beings dwell. And the, the dark beings, they live underground and they no longer have any power over the light. The darkness can never overpower and eliminate the light because the spirit does not need the world. The world needs the spirit. Speak more about that. Find more words to tell us this story. Well, from what I've learned and what I've been able to put together based on speaking with many um, great thinkers and many uh, wise human beings is that we come here to this earth to gain a sense of our identity. And when we gain a sense of our individual identity, we can return to the source where all is unified and we can relay to the source another part of itself because being the source and being infinite and having no boundaries and no limits, uh, it cannot really know its identity because it's all that is. And so we're goodwill ambassadors, in a sense, sparks of the divine coming to this very dense level of existence in order to have a solid experience of source consciousness so we can bring that information back to source and then it will know in the future what is needed here. So each one of us counts? Each one of us counts until any one of us says that we do not. And then that person eliminates themselves. 
in a sense, committing suicide is the ultimate put-down. It's giving up on yourself. Well, it's refusing to bring back the message. It's refusing to bring back the message. Thank you. I hear you. Yeah. So that's a very beautiful purpose. I hear you say that each one of us has a message to take home. Yes, we do. Perhaps we are visiting here and we are explorers and we have a message to take home. Yes, we do. And my experience tells me that the more we develop ourselves according to uh, our blueprint, which is uh, the moment we came into this world and the first light that we saw here, uh, then the more energy we get and uh, the more things open up for us because we're on our track. We're not going into someone else's territory. We are using what we were given. And that's conservation of energy. Should we go back for a moment uh, to um, Saturn in Libra? All right. I I feel perhaps there's a little more that you can say about that. Well, many people have liked the poem that I wrote in that essay. It, it wasn't my poem, it's William McCall's poem. And uh, it goes, I slept and dreamt that life was beauty. I woke to find that life is duty. Straight is the line of duty. Curved is the line of beauty. Follow the straight line and you will see the curved line ever follows thee. So Saturn in Libra, that very poem embodies it because Saturn in Libra represents a respect for the agreements that we have. However, if you move away from the current popular culture and the paradigm it it leads to, and you create your own paradigm, and you put your heart and your soul and your mind into nourishing that paradigm, and others come and join you there, and you have created a substantial reality, then the law changes. It's not the law of the old paradigm. And so it's adhering to new agreements, which you are now part of. You are participating in the generation of this policy. And so I see a world in the future that Saturn and Libra can usher in, in which everyone is participating, everyone has something important to contribute, and because that's recognized, it becomes so much greater a reality. So many more people rise to the occasion. That's very, very wonderful. So perhaps we'll bring our conversation around here and... um, I'll ask you, what what would you like to say in closing to the people who are listening to us? Well, first of all, I'd like to say to anyone who's listening, thank you for listening, and I trust that you have received some value from our talk here today. And I would like to say that you, uh, you don't have to believe in something in order to explore it and investigate it and see if there's any value for you. Because when we talk about believing in something, we're talking about faith in the invisible. 
And the beauty of astrology is it takes the invisible and it makes it visible and it makes it palpable. But um, how can we have discernment about the right astrological messenger? I would say that each person is able to decide what is in their best interests uh, as long as they're supported in supporting themselves and being true to themselves. Then once they have acknowledged that, they know what to do for themselves. And would you please repeat your website so people can get closer to you? Well, thank you very much. My website is uh, com, And if you wanted to write to me, my email address is paul62000 at yahoo.com. Excellent. Thank you so much thank for this you. moment together. Future Primitive is made possible by the Marion Institute. If you enjoy these podcasts, please consider supporting our work by making your own tax-deductible contribution online at futureprimitive.org.